Hi and welcome to episode 83 of the This Is Reportage podcast. My name is Alan Law, I'm the founder of This Reportage and This Reportage family, and I'm a photographer too. The fab Stefana Farrell is my guest on the podcast this week, and I absolutely love talking to her. Based in the USA, Stefana is a brilliant documentary family photographer. She was ranked sixth in the US on this Reportage Family for 2020 and joint 47th in the world. And she's won six Reportage Family Awards from us. She talks about one of those specific images on the episode today, along with so much more, including how and why she transitioned from weddings to families, vacation photography, what her last meal would be, escape rooms, Disney, the business side of what we do and being raised by a generation of entrepreneurs, our Netflix synopsis game, and so much more too. Before we get on to Stefana, today is a bit of a milestone for us as it's the first birthday of this Reptage family. I personally can't believe it's been a year already since we launched our sister site for documentary family photography. It honestly feels like just like a month for me. It's been amazing to see hundreds of family photographers from literally all over the world join us. The talent out there is absolutely incredible and it's been an honour to help shine some more light on this important and incredibly talented genre. We're celebrating our birthday by giving away five This Reportage Family memberships worth £100 each. Just check out our latest post on the This Reportage Family blog or head to our Instagram account, we're at This Reportage Family, to see how to enter. It's open for new members and existing members too. Good luck if you enter. Right, over to Stefana. Hey Stefana, how are you? Good, how are you doing, Alan? I'm yeah, I'm really good actually. Really good, thank you. Um what time what time is it with you? Because we're in like, totally different parts of the world. What time is it with you? It's uh just after one o'clock. Okay. In the afternoon. In the, yeah. in the afternoon. Oh, that's good. <laughs> in yeah, not in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> so imagine if you were doing it at one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Um, yeah, and it's um, six o'clock in the evening for me. So no, actually, okay. only five hours difference. That's not yeah, long. not too bad. Yeah, I'm on the east coast in the US. So uh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I've never, I've never been to that coast actually. I don't. Yeah, no. I, I always talk about this when I talk to people from America. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I should, probably should stop saying it, but I've only been to Vegas. Yeah. So. Yeah, your Vegas vacation. <laughs> yeah, I know it's bad, isn't it? But I missed it. I missed it this year. Um, and while I mention that, actually, let's let's talk about it because it's it's something that we're going to bounce bound to mention anyway. So let's begin with it. You know, how was how was 2020 for you, you know, on a business and personal level? How's how's it been? It was an interesting year for me. So um, at the end of 2019, I, I actually had just left my wedding partnership. So I was not planning on doing any weddings in 2020 anyway. Um, but I spent the entire year of 2019 gearing up my family business for vacations because I'm in Orlando and it's the number one family destination in the US. Um, I had spent all of 2019 marketing to vacationers, not locals, um, trying to grow my network with people that are outside of my city and, and in the travel industry. And then, you know, all the theme parks closed and people mm. weren't coming here. And I was just like, okay, I had, you know, I had my, my vacationers cancel on me. And, um, you know, I, we, so I'm in Florida and out of all the states, um, we were one of those that kind of opened back up the fastest. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, right. So by, um, by mid June, July of last year, uh, the theme parks were starting to open back up. Um, you could go out to eat inside restaurants. Um, we were, we masks were required in our County, but there were parts of Florida where masks weren't required at that time. Um, right, right, right. 
And, and so it was really, it was interesting, but I had pretty much, because my kids were home, um, I, I, I just said, okay, this is a pause. This is just, I, I wasn't really looking for work. It was just going to be um, a, a, a pause for me as an artist. I was going to just document this time for myself and for my family and then explore other things which I hadn't done before in terms of like uh, personal projects and um, doing a, some abstract photography, um, just kind of having fun with it. And so, and then just, I was like, okay, so it was preparing for coming out of this whenever I was ready and my kids were back at school and life kind of returned to normal. Um, so it, it um, in terms of business, there wasn't, there wasn't too much in 2020, but 2021 has been pretty busy actually. Oh, already. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, um, Vacationers probably started returning in November and December, but I had of the inquiries, a lot of people kind of held off on booking because they, they were not interested in having family pictures with masks on. Mm. And to me, that seemed kind of silly because it's such a unique time that we're in. And to sit here and say, you know, to three generations from now, you know, there are family images of us traveling during a global pandemic. <laughs> Um, and this is how we did it, you know. Um, but I, I finally had my first um, first family booking vacationers with masks on um, back in in February of this year. And then it's been I've had a few vacationers and then um, I have a year in the life family that I work with and, and then other locals just kind of book here and there for small outings. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. What was that shoot like? That first shoot with uh, with the mask, you know, was it strange for you? Did you just approach it like any, you know, a normal one? And how were they feeling? So, um, so I had been going. I have annual passes um, to Disney with my with my kids. So when oh, they wow. opened back up in July, and we live ten minutes actually from Disney. So oh, nice. when they when they opened back up in July, we didn't go a lot, but we went we went probably maybe two three times a month. No. And um, so I had been, I, I was used to wearing a, um, a mask in the park for um, hours in 95 degrees and 100% oh. humidity. Wow. So the masks for me weren't a bother at all. And I, and I was photographing my kids and getting the expressions in the eyes. To me, it wasn't a, a hindrance. Mm. Um, and so I just kind of, I, I, I guess I just didn't really treat it as anything that was going to get in my way. And I think I kind of, I, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's good. No, it's great. Yeah, carry on. It's really interesting. Honestly, it's great. Oh, well, so with my, with my kids in Florida, there seemed to be two different schools of thought in, um, with masks and kids, um, especially as the schools reopened. And the parents that were adverse to wearing masks had kids that were adverse to wearing masks. Right. And, the, and the parents that said, you know what, this is, this is something we have to do to keep ourselves safe and to still have fun and to live our lives. My kids never, never had an issue putting on a mask, right? right. Um, because that's the way that we treated it. We told them this is just something we have to do. And and so I was very upfront with my families. We're going to follow the rules. We're going to wear masks. I'm doing it for your protection. You're doing it for mine. And yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't an issue. Um, so um, I, 
and, and it, I think it helped that the places that we were going to, because we were in Orange County, they all required masks. And so right. it wasn't like people were fighting me to, to not wear the mask during the session. So, mm. yeah. <laughs> wow, cool. I just can't imagine. I, I just, yeah, because I've not done that many family shoots yet, but obviously I've not done one uh, during the pandemic. So it is just, it, I just imagining from a photography level, though, it is, it is trickier than normal because so much is in that kind of, yeah, the facial expressions. But as you say, you're still capturing with the eyes and lots mm -hmm. of other like um, ways that people show emotions and feelings as well. But it must have been trickier than normal. You know, I, I, I guess. <laughs> I, I honestly like I maybe it's just because I tend to look for um, more of the physical um, body language right, sure. uh, when I shoot. So I guess I, I didn't feel limited by not seeing a smile or not seeing a face uh, like or not seeing the other half of the face. I, I do tend to focus on the expression in the eyes and and what you're doing with your hands and, and how your bodies are are working with each other um, and, and exploring. So exploring the moment and, and experiencing things. I feel like there's, it, it's more than just, than just an expression on the face. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, there were times when I would see an image and it's like, oh man, the mask is covering up, you know, like there's one shot of my, my son and my husband on a roller coaster and, you can see how much they're enjoying it with their arms up in the air and their, and you know, their eyes and the hair. But my husband had on a big hat and sunglasses and the mask on <laughs> and his, his face was almost entirely covered, but his arms were up in the air. So you knew that he was enjoying the moment. Right. Yeah. Um, and to me, it was more about my son's expression anyway. But <laughs> That's so cool, though, um, as well. And as you alluded to earlier, you know, how many people live through a pandemic like that as well? And to get images from it that, you know, from that time, that it's a totally unique time in life. So, yeah, it's really cool that you're getting that, I think. Really cool. Well, yeah. And I think back to like, you know, they were showing a lot of the, the images that exist from the 1918 pandemic. And, you know, and, and it does, it becomes a part of history mm. that, um, you know, this this pandemic has been very different in terms of the technology that we have available and the knowledge that we have about how it spreads, that being able to show, you know, generations from now, how we live through this historic moment is, is pretty cool. So true. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but as a side question, by the way, how, how do you get an annual pass to Disney? Isn't that, cost, isn't that about a million pounds or something? I've never been to Disney, <laughs> but in my head, it just seems really expensive. But yeah, how do you get um, an annual pass? So, well, Florida residents have a special rate. Um, they do have, so there are actually a lot of people from the UK that have annual passes as well as, um, I believe, as um, Disney Vacation Club um, members. So they have the, I want to say they have the option to do um, uh, an annual pass. And it's just slightly more expensive. But if you, like, basically, I think, the amount that we pay, because we do the one that includes, well, it did include golf and everything like that, too. Um, it, it's essentially like paying for 10 days at Disney over the course of the year. So oh, okay. um, oh, it, it works out and they have a monthly payment plan. So, <laughs> Oh, it sounds great. I mean, look yeah. at as well. That's amazing. And does that mean you can go literally as many times as you want in the year? So 
Um, currently, they have a reservation system, so it's made it a little bit harder. But yes, um, it, depending upon, so you can spend more money to not have any blackout dates, um, uh-huh. and it, you know certain passes include parking and everything too. Um, so yeah, it 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 works out nicely. Um, I just think that is so cool. I just think that must be every kid's dream to have an right. annual pass to Disney. That's just like, that is dream stuff that is. That is so it, cool. It's, I, I try to remind my kids of that. And especially I grew up in Pennsylvania, which is 16 hours north of where I live now in Orlando. And we used to drive down and it was an annual vacation to Disney and it was a big deal and it was all the cousins. And so you couldn't just say, oh, we're just going to pop over for three of our favorite rides and go. You know, we were there all day long. We had to ride the rides that everybody else wanted to ride, regardless of if we wanted to do them or not. And, you know, it was quite a different experience. (laughs) Yeah. Did you say now you're just like 10 minutes away or so? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Amazing. That is so cool. So cool. Really cool. I've never been, you know, I've never been to um, the other ones over in America. Or I've, I've never been to Euro Disney even. And I've got a six-year-old oh, really? and a nine-year-old. And oh, you I have would, to go. I know. <laughs> I really need to, don't I? Have you, have you ever been to um, uh, Euro Disney? Have you been over there? Or? Um, I haven't. We um, we did Disneyland when we were out in, in L.A. for my sister's wedding a couple of years ago. And then we've done a Disney cruise. But oh, nice. we primarily just didn't have or Disney World, um, just be for the ease, I guess. Yeah, well, it's 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> It would be interesting to, to go and do, especially um, Hong Kong and China would be oh, really cool. Be cool. Yeah. yeah, that would be really cool. Anyway, I love that. I love that. I love the tangent of going off onto Disney. I love that. <laughs> um, and Stefan, you, you mentioned it, I think, just before, just at the beginning of there. So you said that you kind of stopped your wedding photography partnership because you were a wedding photographer for almost 15 years. Is that right? Yes, um, it, I, it's how I started off um, into, into professional photography. In, in 2006, I was a second shooter with a photographer that specialized in South Asian weddings. Right. And um, in 2011, we decided to make it a partnership. She, she was having her fourth child, and I was about to get married and go in and have children, and I still had my full-time job. And so we just figured it would be easier to split the business um, duties and, and kind of split up the weddings too, because neither one of us really wanted to take more than 20 South Asian weddings in a year, just because they're, yeah. they're three day events usually. Oh, really? Um, wow. Three to five. Yeah. Three to five days. Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> there, there are a lot That's of work. And so we figured as a partnership, we can kind of split, split the work and still have a decent family life as well. Okay. Um, cool. I did. So were you still shooting them solo or did you shoot them together or? Sometimes we work together. There were certain weekends. So um, it was guaranteed that we'd have at least five inquiries for Thanksgiving weekend, Easter weekend, Mother's Day weekend. And um, usually any of the the U.S. holidays where there's a longer weekend, those were very popular um, dates. And so those ones, we almost always worked separate events. Um, And then occasionally we would come and work together as well okay well it sounds like it sounds like it was really successful so what what I mean what was the impetus for you then to maybe transition more towards families you know how did how did you get more into the family side so I had um I had two things so one um it South Asian weddings were very labor intensive um not only were they multi-day events they were also almost always at these huge convention center hotels that we have here in Orlando um, and in Florida in general, because we worked 
we worked South Florida a lot too. And the rooms would be on one side and the, and the ballrooms would be on another. And I was lugging equipment back and forth and, and having a lot of back pain. Uh, um, and so there was that reason. Um, just, it was, I just saw myself, you know, come, come my, after three days of working that following day, I was basically useless. Like I couldn't, oh. I just wanted to lay down and, and not move. <laughs> yeah. That sounds hard. And I mean, just the one 10 hour day for me and I'm, I'm like not in good shape the next day. So for three yeah. days, yeah, that's hardcore. That is, I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was one. And then the other was just my, I have, my boys are now five and eight oh. and they're, they have events going on on the weekends. And so locking myself into a schedule a year out, um, just I was missing a lot. And I grew up with two entrepreneurs for parents and um, I was limited in what after school activities I could do and, and that I could get to on the weekends and things like that. So I wanted to make sure that my kids were, if they wanted to do something and participate, one of the reasons why I wanted a, a flexible business of my own was to be able to give them that opportunity to do the things that they wanted to do and for me to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this switching to family photography where I'm booking usually three to six months out, I at least have a little bit better idea of what my schedule is um, right, okay. before I lock into things. Yeah. Mm, that makes total sense. It really does. That makes me think about, yeah, about me going forward and uh, weddings coming back. Obviously, you know, I, I start, I shot one two days ago, a big one. It was the first yeah. one in ages, 120 people. But yeah, oh, it wow. does make me think I'm going to miss... Um, the weekends with with my kids actually anyway 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 yeah but that's true <laughs> but then so when you decided you know you kind of decided you wanted to go more towards families how did you do it you know how did you get your first kind of family client did you start a kind of separate website or, or did, did you manage some of your existing wedding couples were you able to shoot you know their families as well how, how did you make that move so um i i did naturally have uh, families looking to to have me capture different moments um, really early on. So, and and as I had my own kids, I had people. Oh, you're a photographer. You know, can you come in and and take portraits of our family? And so I was always kind of on the side, um, you know, doing the more lifestyle or family portraits over the years. But it was never really a business. Um, and then in in 2017. Um, it was Thanksgiving weekend. I had thought I booked a wedding. I was so busy. Um, I had the contract. They signed the contract, but they never gave the deposit. And the way that my wording was, it wasn't finalized, right? Um, so they ended up going with a different photographer. And I ended up with um, the one of the busiest weekends for us as a business completely free on my calendar. And I had, I had booked Thursday, Friday, Saturday um, to be shooting their wedding. Um, and I didn't have this wedding. And so um, I put it out there on Facebook, just in my network of friends. I said, look, I, I block time to photograph. And my favorite thing about weddings is not necessarily, it's not about the bride and groom, especially in South Asian weddings. It's about two families coming together. And I love the candid moments that happen. And so um, I kind of, I didn't really know there was a documentary family community out there at this point. I just, I knew I wanted to capture um I wanted to capture real moments. And so I put it out there and I said, if anyone is doing something as a family this weekend, 
and and want some pictures to go along with it, let me know. I'm doing it free of charge. I'm and I'm thankful for my friends and my family that are out there and um and and pretty much let me know. And I had one woman reach out to me. We used to uh, work together when I worked for Universal Studios, and her her dad was. Um, we knew he wasn't going to be around much longer. He he was suffering um, with cancer. Oh gosh. And she's like, I would really just love what an afternoon looks like for my dad and my mom in their home. If you can, if you can get out there and I'll tell them that you're coming and they usually just have coffee midday and, and, and chat and they let the dogs out in the backyard. And, you know, if you can just capture that for me, I would love that. And so I did. And, um, was that and, tough to do though? Is that knowing that he was ill like that? It must've been quite emotional. Um, he, he was still very much himself. So this was, they, they were, they were not at the point where they were stopping treatment or anything like that. They just, they were, he was pretty much given like a year. Um, yeah. And so it, it, that wasn't the, I don't know that she, she told them that that's why she wanted me to have pictures of them right, sure. made, but I think she just said, you know, I, it's been a long time since you've had pictures and, and these are just going to be really, she's just going to be there and just do what you always do. Mm. And, um, and so they, you know, at first they started to pose and, and I would just carry on a conversation with them and I got to know them and I, they told me the wonderful story about how they met and how they, they, all of their kids, um, were adopted and how they, they adopted them Mm -hmm. as they traveled. Um, and it was, it was, you know, they really opened up to me and it was something that I just really walked away from thinking, this is what I want to do. And so, um, it was sometime in 2018, I think by the summer of 2018. So this was Thanksgiving, 2017. Um, by that time I had discovered, okay, there is this community, um, that does just this. And I was ready to have the conversation with my partner about, okay, if I'm going to leave the partnership, what would this look like? Right. Um, and so we started, we started in 2018, just, um, you know, making sure that she was kind of involved in every single wedding um, so that the couples were comfortable with her as much as they were with me. Mm-hmm. And I started building a portfolio just with, friends and, and, um, and people that I knew that were visiting. And, and then by 20, I think I put the website together in fall of 2018. Um, and just kind of said, okay, you know, based upon what I know from my wedding business and, and, you know, what, what I've kind of seen out there, this is what I'm going to do. And at first it was, I'm going to put both lifestyle and documentary because I don't know that people know what documentary is. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I think it was like late 2018 where I, I watched the creative live of, of Kirsten Lewis and, oh, cool. yeah. and, and she was saying, you know, show what you want to shoot. And so um, that's when I knew, okay, I got to, I got to get rid of the lifestyle stuff. I really don't want to shoot lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I, and I kind of tailored everything. And, and I think maybe by like mid 2019, I kind of had the, like, 
I was feeling pretty good about things were where things were. So oh, that's and that's great. <laughs> it and then a awful it took timing. a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you really had it sorted though, but then yeah, just unfortunate timing. It's it's yeah. That's so cool to hear about um, a transition from it, and you can just hear that passion in your voice for the documentary side of it as well. That's um, it's really cool. Um, and it's good you've been shooting though, and that that yeah. had you know some of the you know it's been easier to get back into working like that. Vacation better with, yeah. or like. Kind of <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. But, um, that market in general that you, you mentioned before, maybe, you know, one part of your market is um, vacation, vacationers. Mm-hmm. Obviously as well. Is that I think in the UK where I'm from, I don't think that's I don't think that really a lot of people don't really think of that as a something they can get, you know, if they're going on holiday in England or whatnot. They don't think that they could get a photographer to capture it for them. And I think that's is it more in America? Is that more of a kind of known thing you know, a known market? So I think. I, I think we so, so I think we saw a transition from, you know, traditional family portraiture into lifestyle, right? As as social media came about and advertisers were using more what looks almost like real life, but it's polished, right? And then we see these these influencers and in social media putting the best images out there of their travels and their things. And so I think I think as, as people hunger for more authenticity, right? Even though lifestyle people, uh, photographers use authentic moments and candid moments in their, in their language, we know that they're still prompted, right? For lifestyle and they're still placed in perfect light and, and given basically the best, you know, everyone's dressed in their best possible look, coordinated and, and put into a pretty scenario and in a pretty light and then told, okay, now go ahead and tickle each other, <laughs> yeah, right? right yeah. To get, to get that laugh, to get that authentic moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I feel like I think with people being constantly marketed by what is supposed to feel authentic, they, they do feel a difference between what's real and what's prompted. And so um I think people are starting to look more for real life and for documentary. Um, and I think in vacation photography um, as well. So there are a ton of photographers that market themselves as vacation photographers, meaning I'll show up, we'll schedule a session while you're on vacation and we'll have post pictures in front of, you know, all the major sites that you want to see. Um, and there are a lot of, I don't know, do you guys have like flytographer and, um, those businesses that are set up where you can basically hire a photographer for a mini session and you don't necessarily know who the photographer is. You just know the company that you're hiring. Do you oh, guys right. that? I, I think maybe, I don't know. Not, not that I know of, but it sounds like, okay. there, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, there are, there are these larger corporations that are forming for vacation okay. photography, but it's still the lifestyle stuff. It's not, it's not yeah, hiring okay. somebody for four hours or eight hours mm-hmm. um, for your day. But saying that, um, when you think about yourself as a family, outside of your wedding day and your home, buying a home or a car, your other big expense and big family events are associated with vacations, mm-hmm. you know, outside of having the kids, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, So you're already set and, and budgeting to spend a larger than normal amount of money. Um, and so when it comes to seeing as opposed to like day in the life, right? Um, mm, that's true. You mm. see it as a reason to invest in photography, as opposed to saying, t- telling somebody why it's an important to 
have a day in the life session, it's a little bit easier for them to understand, okay, we're doing something special as a family. We're already spending a lot of money for this. Um, so why not hire a photographer? Mm, that's so true. That really makes sense. I never really thought about it that way. That's so yeah. true. And how have you gone out and got those kind of vacation, you know, people looking for vacation photographers? Have you, you know, have you put money into SEO or done SEO yourself? Or can you, do you get like, um, I guess I was just thinking off the top of my head that you could get in with kind of like, I don't know, like hotels or venues and stuff. How, how have you got your clients? Right. So um, I, I have, I have it on my to-do list to start talking to <laughs> hotels because yes, hotels are, um, are important. They do actually have, so me, I already have an established relationship with some hotels in the, in, with the events teams. Um, but yeah, they do have a list of a lot of, most hotels do have a list of family photographers that they recommend for, for sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do have that on my to-do list. Most of my clients right now for vacationers are finding me through guest blog posts that I've written. Oh, cool. Um, so I've teamed up with, there's a, you know, there are a lot of blogs about coming to Orlando and vacationing. Uh, sometimes it's um, people that own vacation homes to rent out. They start uh-huh. a blog. And so I've written for um, Orlando Insiders Vacations. Um, That's really clever to do that. Did, did you it, approach them then? And, and okay. um, in, I believe in that for that specific one, I, I approached them um, really cool. for like, an, there's like Orlando, um, I think it was Orlando Moms Collective. They found me. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes it's, I, I've, I've invested a little bit in Instagram advertising, but honestly, I've gotten nothing from that. For the most right. part, people mm-hmm. find me from either my guest blog posts, my own blog posts on my website that I put up on Pinterest. Okay. Um, cool. so my blog posts tend to be, um, my leaders, I haven't in- invested in somebody else to help me out with SEO. I just, I'm, I, I, it sounds like it's I, working I, for yourself anyway. It's working. Yeah, for you. I mean, I think I think the fifteen years of, of doing the wedding business. Granted, most of I mean, the one nice thing about doing South Asian weddings, you have about four hundred guests um, at on average at a wedding, and wow. so you know, there's at least two or three up and coming brides yeah, <laughs> that are attending that wedding as well. So we yeah. were largely referral based. Um, so I haven't I I haven't had to do all of this work before, but um, I I. I forget which one of those um, marketing coaches that are out there, but basically they say, you know, don't spend your time working to building yourself on somebody else's platform that you can't control, you know, put the time and energy into your own blog that you know is going to be there. Um, control your own, that there's not going to be an algorithm that's all of a sudden going to change and now no one can find you or, you know, basically, you know, look at what MySpace is right now, right? Could you imagine yeah. having invested all that time into a MySpace following and then it's, it's gone, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> you know? So it, Facebook, Instagram, they all could be that one day. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I still have a presence on all those things because you have to, but I, I'm, I just try not to put my time into it too much. <laughs> Yeah, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. It's really cool to be that proactive in in terms of marketing and and reaching out to other blogs like that as well. It's really savvy and clever, I think. So yeah, yeah, I think that's really cool. And I'm sure people listening will think when they get really good tips from doing that. I think that's uh, really good advice. Um, cool, Stefan. Let's let's change tack slightly. Let's change. Okay. Tack slightly. okay. <laughs> do you, uh, do you watch much uh, movies or or Netflix or series or anything? Um. 
I, you know, like not recently, but my knowledge <laughs> for like eighties, nineties and, and early aughts, I might be, I might be pretty good. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, have I got any, I'm trying to look at my little list of unasked <laughs> ones if they suit that. Oh, okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, what one at least does. So yeah, she, okay. she, you know what I'm going to do then, don't you? Obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, let's go. Um, okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So yeah. If anyone, if anyone wants to listen to the podcast for the first time, then um, I'm just going to say a, a movie or a series synopsis and we're going to see if uh, Stefana can get it. Hopefully you can play along at home if, if you're enjoying it. I'm enjoying this. So I don't know if other people are enjoying it or not, but I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, let's do it. Okay. So Stefana, your first one is a movie. Okay. 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 So on a mission to retrieve a princess from a fire-breathing dragon, a gruff ogre teams up with an unlikely compatriot, a wise-cracking donkey. Well, that one's easy. That's Shrek. That is, boom. That's good. Yeah, that's a classic, though, isn't it? That's great. It, yes. Yeah, especially for anyone with kids. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah, they're all good. I like that. There's quite a few Shreks, aren't there? There's about three or something? I can't remember now. I think but. there's, yeah, there's definitely three. I don't know. If there, there might be a fourth that went direct to, direct to download <laughs> to streaming. Download. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, okay. That's good. One out of one so far. Okay, okay. This next one is a bit tricky. This one's trickier, and it's not animated. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's a movie again. Okay, right. Um, career aspirations run up against bittersweet romance in modern day Los Angeles as two artists face a heartbreaking dilemma in this musical romantic comedy drama. Oh, okay. So that's Emma Stone and Boo, Wait. Yeah. Um, but why can't I think of what the name is? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Emma Stone, you know what it is. You know, yes, what it is. I know what it is. The yeah. cinematography was beautiful in that. Um, mm. I really liked it. I didn't like the ending because I just wanted it to be, oh, more, yeah, more, <laughs> but it's more a realistic ending, isn't it? But I, it's yeah. a beautiful film. I love Emma Stone as well. She's awesome. She's so cool. Yeah, she is. Um, uh, yeah, what's the title? <laughs> uh, I'm kicking with... myself over this one. Um, um, L it begins with la la <laughs> la, la, la la land yes boom yes. nice one that's great right this is good two yeah. out of two so far okay so um your final one is a series okay so okay <laughs> excuse me um a group of narcissistic friends run a philadelphia bar where their juvenile behavior is historic. <laughs> always sunny in philadelphia yeah boom nice <laughs> Yeah, when You're it comes really to those. It's stupid comedies. Oh, I know. <laughs> That's, I haven't seen a couple of episodes of that. I did like. Oh, really? It. Mm. Yeah, my husband loves that show. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, well, that's great. Three out of three. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well done there's not a trophy or anything i'm afraid oh it's not a round i really i should make everyone who's got three out of three go into a next round or something that would be cool. oh you should yes yeah. a champions uh, <laughs> tournament <laughs> oh that's funny cool okay uh, okay so let's um let's go back to um some photography as well and okay. you mentioned it before but I, I i saw a quote as well or you, or you wrote when you, a little message to me um and you said that you were raised by generations of entrepreneurs so you have that drive and spirit um yeah. to your advantage in a pool of creatives that might hate the business side of things and yeah and i get that because a lot of the people i talk to on the podcast are definitely less keen on the business side um but yeah can you tell us about being raised by entrepreneurs and what what did your parents do so um, my dad jokes about how he basically can fill up a whole portfolio of business cards. My dad has done a lot of different things. Um, but uh, for the most part, what's, what's probably framed me the most, um, my, my dad's side of the family has owned restaurants 
um, since the 19, early 1920s when they really? immigrated here. Yeah. So um, I, I grew up, I started working as a toast girl in the restaurant on Saturday and Sunday mornings, just making toast because we yeah. were so busy for breakfast that it yeah. just helped the servers get their, their orders out to not have to worry about the toast. And right, cool. I started at 12 doing that. And um, Did you enjoy that? I did. Um, I mean, I quickly moved up to serving, but uh, yeah, I it, it made you it sick was... of toast. I bet you never <laughs> ate toast again. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, so um, when I was in my teens, later teens, and um, my grandfather knew that I was out partying too too much because he could still smell um, the partying on me when I came <laughs> in in the morning, he would have me clean out the deep fryers. That by far oh. is the worst thing. And I, I'm not a huge fan of fried food because of it. So <laughs> I don't mind toast. Hate, I'm not a huge fried food fan. At all. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't understand that. That would put you off forever. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so my, the restaurants, um, I grew up in the restaurants and then my mom actually owned a modeling agency, um, yeah. through most of my childhood. So she's, she has since moved on to um, therapy, but uh, the, the modeling agency, it was, it was interesting being around, being around all that and, and the influence of, um, you know, commercial photography um, and just that realm. Uh, so yeah, it's, th those were the two major businesses that, that influenced who I, who I am That's now. Cool. <laughs> do you think, yeah, do you think being, you know, growing up in that kind of self-starting world, did that really make you feel like, you know, you wanted to have your own business and things? Was, do you think that did have a big effect on you in that way? Um, I, I guess so. I, it's interesting. So out of, you know, my, my sister, most of my, my sister and my cousins, they're all entrepreneurs as well. Oh, wow. I, I was pretty much the only one that went into the corporate world right out of um, school. Okay. So I, um, I did, you know, I, I interned at Disney, I worked for Universal. Um, oh, cool. And then I also um, spent most of my early adult career in with JetBlue um, Airlines. Oh, so, All right. Okay, cool. Yeah, JetBlue Airlines. So they're actually coming to UK soon. <laughs> All right. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll know more about them soon. But um, yeah, uh, I, I didn't really have a problem working for a corporation. I, I quite enjoyed it. But um, I do like, I, I do like the freedom. And, and like I said, I, I knew I wanted, I wanted a business after having kids, but I wanted a business that I, that wasn't overwhelming. Um, mm. Because both of both of the businesses that I grew up in were quite demanding, especially the restaurant business, you know, you, it never mm. really closes. So, um, you know, taking a vacation was, you, you're not really ever able to get away. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much more to life than working all the time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool I just I just I'm, I'm thinking what I knew if I'll have an effect on my kids growing up you know seeing that they've never really seen me yeah they've never seen me in an actual kind of nine to five job you know I've always been working for myself since they were born so I, just, I wonder if it'll have an effect on them and yeah, yeah. Just, just, just think about I, I think you tend to be I mean at least for me um I I'm not one of those person those those people that can like pass, pass the hat off to somebody else. <laughs> I know they say like the best thing that you can do for your business is to hire other people to do the things that you're just not good at. But like, mm. I like to be the problem solver. I, I like to just do it for myself and get it done and, and like mm -hmm. check the things off. Um, and I, and I 
Yeah, I know that that comes that comes directly from my grandfather <laughs> and, and, and my mom, too. I don't want to don't want to undermine my my mom and dad's side of the family. Both of them like you just you wear all the hats and, and you you're you can't rely on somebody else. to do it. You, you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and yeah, I, I know that that's it, it's from the in the corporate world. It actually worked to my advantage because um I mean, you said you, you haven't had a corporate job, but there's there there were emails that would come to me, and it was like one person passing it off to another person, passing it off to another person to give it to this team, and then it would finally get to me, and I'd be like, just do it, like mm. I'm just gonna do it, you know, mm. um, and that it helps you stand out in the corporate world for sure. Yeah, if you're just willing to 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 get it done. But also, that can carry that can definitely carry on as an advantage in your own setting up your own. Oh, business. sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I understand that. I, 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 I totally understand what people say as well about how you should, um, you know, give work to the people that are the experts in it. That makes sense as well. But there's oh, a yeah. lot to be said for as well, just having the responsibility for everything. You know, you know, it's just an example of starting Reportage, Reportage Family. It's just it, in a way it's good that it's all me um, because I just the book stops with me. You know, I, I can make sure that things get done. And that's always a worry when you outsource and things. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but interesting, all interesting. But but there are definitely a lot of things I'm really bad at. So like web development, I mean, I can't do all that co- coding stuff and stuff like that. So yeah, definitely have people doing that kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. But I definitely, when I tried to outsource my editing, you know, that didn't go really that well. I think I felt like, I don't know, it's hard to relinquish that control because I, I was spending I was as much. <laughs> yeah, I was spending yeah. just as much time kind of reviewing what they'd done, you know, and just think, you know, it's, I don't know, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Have you ever tried yeah. outsourcing editing or anything? No, no, it, it it was something because when you're shooting 30 hours over a couple of days, you can imagine the amount of images oh, we'd have my. to call through. <laughs> and so, and, and we'd always have two shooters at least. And so you have 30 hours from two different photographers oh, of, of footage. And, um, you know, it was tempting. There were times where, yeah. especially like in our busier months where we did have multiple weddings and, you know, over three weekends, um, there was a lot to do and, but it was just something I, I just could not give up. I, I, I am a control freak that way, yeah. I guess. <laughs> oh, I understand that though. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine calling yeah, three days with two shooters. Like, oh, that must've been, yeah, the call is the worst for me doing the course. I, cannot imagine. <laughs> I bet right. you don't miss that. I bet you don't miss that. Well, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't miss the hours of calling, but so I was just, I forget who I was talking to about this, but like I, so I would have a three day, a three day wedding. And then some, most days, most times I finished up on like Sunday was my free day. I would have a highlight slideshow of about 400 images ready for my couple within four days of that, that last day. Uh, And, um, and I don't use photo mechanic and people oh, really? think that I'm nuts for not using photo mechanic. They're like, how? I was like, Lightroom has just always been my process. And, oh, wow. and, and so like, they're like, but you would save so much time. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I like, I just, I just have this, like this flow. <laughs> that goes. It works for you. Yeah. So you still yeah. don't use photo mechanic now then? No, I don't No, oh, I looked gosh. into it briefly and I'm like, nah, I, don't think, <laughs> I, don't, I think I'm good. <laughs> Because now, like having having like a thousand images versus ten thousand images is uh, to call through is oh yeah is that's nothing. a place to use. yeah oh god I can get that done in a couple hours what are you are you kidding <laughs> oh that's funny that's funny that's cool yeah uh, 
Uh, that's funny I, I just can't imagine doing all that calling in lightroom uh, honestly total mechanic that for me i, I just love it but yeah I, but but what also is great about this is that it's just everyone has their own different systems of things that just yeah. work for them isn't it and there's no right or wrong that's what i love about exactly this. yeah, yeah. Good. yeah I, I mean i have a friend who doesn't even use lightroom she just uses a uh, camera raw and i'm like what and granted she's a portrait photographer but i'm like how how do you just use like She's like, come on, camera raw and bridge. It's great. Like, but there's a reason why they came up with Lightroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. I think I remember a talk for a while ago and it, they were individually opening every image up in Photoshop, you know. For, oh, my gosh. <laughs> but well, they, they were happy and their clients are happy. Yeah. So as long as you're all happy, it's all, it's all good, isn't it? It's all good. Yeah, exactly. Um, Whatever works for you. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, Stefana, what, what to you is the most challenging aspect of family photography? whether that's the shooting side of it or the business side of it, what's the, what's the most challenging aspect of it? Well, for documentary family photography, I think the most challenging thing is, is the education of getting people to understand that they aren't boring and, and to kind of like it's, to earn that initial trust that I'm, I'm not going to make them look unflattering in a moment that they're not posed, you know, like that, that they need to, like, that they need to let their guard down and trust me that I'm going to make magic of what they consider, you know, either every day or, you know, um, whether it's, you know, kids having a meltdown at a theme park, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, earning that initial trust, I think is, is the hardest thing. Um, but once you have it, it it's fantastic. So uh, how, yeah, I totally, I totally get that. That is a, a big deal, isn't it? How do you, how do you personally, you know, try and get that trust? Do you, do you talk to your clients a lot before the actual shoot? You know, do you talk a lot when you arrive and do you educate them before then beforehand and you know, the, how you're going to shoot? So you're not going to be posing them and things, you know, how, how do you do it? Sure. Well, um, I, all of the pieces that lead them to me, um, I, I don't show, I don't really show posed work, right? So all of the stuff that leads them to me, they're seeing real moments. And I think that that helps. Mm, um, totally. and, and then because people are finding me through blog posts, I do get the advantage that they are willing to read a little bit more <laughs> yeah, that's right and, and and hear my voice in in how i write and mm. so that helps right that helps them to to build some sort of rapport with me okay. whether even though i'm not actually speaking to them so that when i finally do get them on the phone um we do we do, we talk about more than just their photography we talk about you know how they came to me, why, what's important in life right now to them. Um, you know, and, and I asked them, them more of that personal information. And I, and I give a little bit more personal information on the phone than I tend to do in my Instagram. Um, I'm not right. one of those that, you know, there are some people that are very candid in their social media. Um, I try to scale it back. I try to keep a personal life for my kids um, as much as I can too. Right. Um, because I do think about like, what if my kid wants to be president one day and, you know, and if, 
somebody searches their name, there's all their most vulnerable moments <laughs> in childhood right, yeah, available. So, you know, I, I try to find a good balance and remember that, um, you know, that there is stuff that should be personal, but if you're going to let me hang out with you all day long while you're on a vacation, you have to feel good about who I am and who you let hang out with your family all day long too. Mm, so, um, so I do make sure in that, in that phone call that we, that we get personal, um, a bit. Yeah. That, that's cool. That's cool. Do you t talk to virtually, you know, physically talk by phone? I mean, like to most of your clients before you meet them then? Oh Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. You know, I yeah. hate the phone. I should do it more. I mean, <laughs> people might think it's a bit weird how I do these podcasts and stuff, but I hate the phone. I should do that more, I guess, talk to them. Do you not it's, get nervous about talking to people then or anything? So it's interesting. With my with my wedding business, we had people that I never spoke to on the phone. They booked me via email because a lot of my a lot of our couples were going into like they were in residency or they were busy finishing up law school. There were different things that they were doing. And a lot we had a lot of like the family lived here, they grew up here, but they were away at college um, or, you know, so they were booking us from afar. So we weren't meeting in person. We weren't talking over the phone. And on their wedding day was the first day that they were actually hearing my voice. Um, and there's enough commotion going on in a wedding day that they don't necessarily really care too much about who I am. Um, but when you're tagging along with somebody on vacation and there's kids involved where there's lots of highs and lows and meltdowns, and we, I mean, we all know that that's going to happen and there's different ways that you can parent and you don't want them to feel ashamed of their decisions that they're making of how they're parenting or things like that. So okay. they have to, like, I, I just, I knew like it was something I have to have that phone conversation with them. They can't just be, um, you know, just, just emails and texts back and forth. Maybe that will change as, I mean, I'm, I'm at the older millennial scale. I'll, I'll be 40 next year. Okay, um, cool. yeah. but like, you know, as I, as younger millennials and, and the generations below, they don't talk on the phone. So maybe that will change as they're the ones being, you know, becoming parents and they don't necessarily care, um, mm -hmm. to have that conversation with me. But um, yeah, for the most part, I find I find the phone conversation really helps to make sure that like they trust me while I'm there to, to take pictures that, you know, to get in their face with their camera. Because I like to shoot. I I do usually shoot with two camera bodies. Mm -hmm. So um, if I'm in the park, I usually have my 20 millimeter and then I have my 24 to 70 zoom. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And just because I you're you're def you're not necessarily at the same um, space all the time, right? You're, the amount of space between you and them changes so much. Mm -hmm. So I definitely needed a zoom lens, but then I also, I, I, I like to be able to get nice and close and get wide, especially when I'm dealing with bigger families. Mm -hmm. um, so, but that, that requires me to be really close and, and, and to be in their personal space. So mm -hmm. there needs to be some rapport established ahead of time. Yeah, that to makes all total sense. I think that's really, really great and great advice um, for people uh, listening in there. Cool. Yeah, I'm similar to you. I love shooting really close and wide. Mm -hmm. So I shoot with a 25 mil, but like 80% of my coverage. Um, I just love that. Love it. Yeah. 
Yeah, cool. Maybe I should talk to my clients more. I, 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 I've got to stop saying I should do things, but it makes sense. It does make sense. It makes sense. Um, so far, I wanted to add, this is a slightly different tack, but it's also from your website. And I wanted to ask you about one line. Um, and you say, um, you and your husband both have a fierce competitive spirit that has made for some awkward game nights, which yes. I, love, I love that. <laughs> so what, game, what games What games do you play? Like board games or video games or what kind oh, of thing? Oh, we do everything. Uh, lately, oh. we've been doing escape rooms and we oh. go in. In, are escape rooms a thing in the UK? Yeah, but I've never been one, okay. but they do have them quite in lots of places, yeah. All right, so if you ever come to Orlando, there's probably 15 different escape room, oh, wow. escape room places that you can go to, and then within those escape room places, there's probably six to eight different rooms that you can oh, do. Oh, wow, that's a lot, so, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of options, right? And how many have and, you done? Have you done a lot? Um, we've done five now only one that we've done with my we did with my sister and uh, sister-in-law and her husband but all the other times we've gone just the two of us oh wow um and we've escaped every time and (laughs) luckily we don't we we don't fight which is amazing um and we we tend to split up the the work to each of our advantages like i'm somebody who um can slow down and do like the bigger puzzles where you're maneuvering certain things and then he's somebody who's just like really good at like at at not reading too far into things and just seeing things for what it is because like sometimes it's as simple as like there's something underlined i'm sorry about that um there's something underlined in um in in like a paragraph and i will completely miss that they're trying to draw your attention to something and my husband's like no that's it now Uh, we need to go and move and so we make for a good pair in the escape rooms um and so but it's a mix put, of that. You meant is there some kind of like physical things in there then? Because I always thought it was just oh, yeah. kind of like riddles and stuff. Oh, but there's physical things. Yeah. Oh, oh okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the last one that we did, um, I won't say which room it was, but <laughs> like you actually had to like go down a chute and um, and like it actually took my brother-in-law. He he used I forget what the tool is, but um, he was able to like pry open the door. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's a, just a huge mix of stuff oh, um, cool. and they're always, they're fun. Um, <laughs> that sounds good. And, and you then, never argue, you said as well, you don't argue. No. For the most part, no, like, uh, we just, <laughs> oh, we just split up the work and, and we don't, we don't like, we don't, uh, criticize one another. If we've sat on a clue too long or something like that, we just, we share what we can and, and it's a good communicate, like it does require good communication. Um, but when my husband and I first started dating, uh, we would play cranium a lot with like a group of friends. Oh, and, well, I've never um, played that. I know what it is, but I've never played it. Is it good? Okay. Yeah, there, I mean, it's got a little bit like it's like a mix of Pictionary and charades and, and trivia. So there's like all these different things. But he and I like if we were on the same team and there's one, it's called humd- the Humdingers. So you have to hum the song and then the other person has to guess it. Like if I wasn't humming clearly enough or like if, if we lost that round, it was, it was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there are, there are certain games that uh, like if we're, if we're playing against other couples, he, he, you know, like it, it, it can cause some, it, it, can, it can get yeah. a little embarrassing, a little embarrassing. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's funny. That's funny. That's cool doing that kind of stuff together though. That is really cool. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess the escape rooms must have, were they closed during COVID though? Imagine all inside and like. So again, yeah. So the, everything was pretty much closed in, in Florida, in Orange County, Florida, um, from mid-March until 
end of June and then things started opening up. So it wasn't that long before things started opening okay. with escape rooms um, prior to COVID there was like, you could basically, depending upon the size of the room, it could be groups of eight to 12. Um, and okay. so you could be mixed in with some other party and like people that you don't know, or oh, you right. could pay more to book a private room. And so we okay. had always done the private rooms. We'd only done up before COVID. I think we had only done two escape rooms, but then while things were opening up, but COVID was, you know, during the pandemic, obviously from June of last year to now, just now, um, it was just automatically a private room. So okay. you would pay more per ticket, um, but you could, do a, you could do a room and have it all to yourself. Um, uh, and then they okay. sanitize everything that you touch in between um, right. guests. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'd love to try one sometime. Have you? Oh, have you ever shot? Um, have you ever done a family shoot in an escape room? Can you do that? I haven't. That would be interesting. Yeah, um, that would be different. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I yeah. might just like have to tag along with some friends next time they go, and just, yeah. just so I can show people like this is yeah. what this would look like. Yeah. That's true. Or you could get in with some of the escape room businesses as well. But then, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if people would know in advance though. To anyway, yeah, anyway, that might. So. Yeah, that might throw people off. So my my husband actually puts together, he started doing this golf tournament with his friends that they just, it was like 18 people when they first started. And now it's like 120 people that they wow. cap it at a year. Cool. But I used to do the photography for it. And it would be like, this was before mirrorless cameras. So you could hear the click. Right. Oh, yeah. And my, my husband would warn me, he's like, do not shoot into golfers backswings because they will really hate you. They don't <laughs> want to hear the click. Yeah. And so it'll throw them off their game. Right. So I imagine with the escape rooms, like if you're just surprising people, like they <laughs> might be thrown off. You know, that's true. Um, that's yeah. true. <laughs> oh, it made for some good images, though. Bit, look, yes, oh, yes, it would. Yeah. <laughs> and talking about images, um, one of my favorite Reportage Family Awards of yours is it's a black and white capture. It looks to be it's like a close up of a boy and I presume are his parents on a roller coaster. And he's looking like really he looks kind of yes. nervous. To me. <laughs> yeah, you know the one I mean. And like, yes. And is that his parents? Is it? Those are his parents. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. And, and both parents are looking at him. And I, I love how it's it's kind of like telling a little story where what's to me, it looks like, you know, he's nervous and they're kind of supporting him. And yeah, can you tell us more about that shot? I think it's really cool. Sure. Yeah, that was actually so I, I've been documenting that family every single year um, since he was born. And it started off lifestyle photography. And okay. then um, 2018 was the first year where they trusted me to do a documentary session for them. And um, this was actually right before the pandemic. So it was February of 2020 that we were, we went to SeaWorld and, um, and we were going on, it's the Cookie Monster ride, but it's like a kid version of like those rides where they launch you straight up in the air oh, and then right. you, okay. you come back down slowly, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it was the first time he was going on it and it, you're right, it was a moment of apprehension. And um, when one thing that I'm gonna, slight tangent, but- That was good, um, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> So when I, the one bad thing about being in a partnership for as long as I was, um, when I started my own business, I was really lost as to what my own voice was as an artist, right? Because I was shooting so much to try to match what my partner was so that we had a collective, like when you came to us, this is what you can expect to get, even with two different photographers, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so um, I, was, I had compromised my own personal preference and aesthetic for more, uh, you know, for, for 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, well, 10 years at that point. But 
I was on this hunt and, and I did uh, Kirsten's um, visual storytelling um, in 2019. Um, I was part of her group, um, her year long group. And she was, she was helping me with that and to explore that. And um, when I finally like look back at 2018 and, uh, or 2019, and then when I shot this session in 2020, I saw that image. I'm like, you know what my voice is? <laughs> I'm that, I'm that in between, like I'm this, I love the in between stages of life where you're just on the verge and you think you're getting, you know, you're getting ready to try something new, but you're, there's that little bit of hesitation inside of you and that little bit of self doubt, like mm-hmm. that, that's what I, I love those moments, um, you know, of my own kids. And, and I was feeling like I was in this in between of like, who, who am I? I'm, I, you know, and this, I have, you know, 10, 10 years at that 12 years at that point of kind of like taking these candid moments, but cleaning them up in the sense right. of like, you know, working within the frame and making sure that I don't have too many distracting things. If, if I'm in a messy getting ready room, like, you know, it wasn't, I wanted to make sure the image was pretty, you know? Okay. Mm. Um, so I had this like trying to make pretty images for, for that many years and now shifting the documentary where we're supposed to embrace the mess. Mm-hmm. And I was having this, like, this kind of, like, where do I sit in that? Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want my documentary images to feel like a lifestyle. I want them to feel real. Mm-hmm. But at the same point in time, like, I, there are things that are distracting and I do want to move them. And I, mm-hmm. I do, like, I do want, like, not post in post, but I want to work harder making the image so that you don't see certain things, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And so as I found myself sitting in this in between, I found that the images that I connected to the most in my own work were those moments of where you see somebody sitting in an in between. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's when I saw that image, that was the image that made me realize, okay, that's, that's part of what makes me a little bit different from the, from another documentary family photographer, right. Is that, is that um, I see that in people and that little bit of, vulnerability and and um and and personal struggle or personal self-doubt and and not looking at it as a weakness but seeing it on the verge of something really great like this is the this is that moment like looking for those like herculean moments where Mm -hmm. you rise to the occasion that's that's what i i like to find that's so cool man you speak so well you speak so well about things i wish i could speak as well as you it's just so eloquent <laughs> it's so cool oh, i don't know about that <laughs> no you really are you really are it's so that's so cool it's so interesting to hear about your whole where you were at that stage and, yeah oh oh no. <laughs> that was that was my dog <laughs> I just thought that is so interesting to hear about your whole methodology and where you were in, in that stage and how it reflects in the images you're taking as well and yeah it's just so interesting that's so cool and yeah that image is it's, it's like a subtle moment there it's like mm-hmm. a subtle facial expression and a subtle touch from the mom I think she's like just like touching yeah him. that little almost point to yeah. like say like you're gonna be okay like yeah. yes yeah it's beautiful. and then but then you've got the obvious the terror of the it's strapped into somebody that you know yeah. looks scary as well it's a, a great kind of yeah uh, it's, it's it's really cool yeah, juxtaposition it's cool um so yeah if anyone's listening now do head to this reportage.com or this reportage family.com i'll include that specific reportage family award that stefana just spoke about so i've just looked down i honestly i know i say this a lot in these episodes but i honestly thought we've been chatting about 35 minutes 
minutes and it's like <laughs> it's like over an hour it's just it's yeah. literally flown so um i've just got time for a couple more questions that's okay sure you? okay cool so a, a, a little throwaway question but let's just mix it up so what would be your last meal on death row Oh my God, my husband gets so mad at me about this <laughs> because I, I never, I can never give a like distinct answer. Like he's a cheeseburger, like a specific burger. That's oh, what yeah. he wants. Okay. But like for me, um, oh gosh. <laughs> <sighs> it's not something you think about day to day, is it? So I understand. I wouldn't know. No. Um, okay. So I'm a vegetarian too. Okay. Um, so, but there, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to answer this question. He gets so mad at me. I can never answer this question. That's I, I, I love so many different it. foods. With oh, that, do you? Yeah. yeah. I was just wondering, will he listen to this episode? And he'll be like, oh, you didn't pick, you didn't pick one. <laughs> you know what? I Okay. Here, I'll give the answer. Okay. 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 So I will probably, I would have, I don't know what sushi roll, but I would probably go ahead and have sushi. Cause that's like the one thing like, um, so I've been a vegetarian since, this time around, um, since like the summer of 2017. Okay. And I did it for health reasons. Uh, I have heart issues that run in my family. And so I just thought, okay, let's cut out the saturated fats and things like that. But on special occasions, when my husband, like for my husband's birthday, we've gone out for sushi. And because you can't, like, if one person's having sushi, then you're limited. You can only order so many rolls and you can't try different things. And oh, so okay. like I've given, like I've given in on his, on birthdays or special occasions and I've gone and I've, I've had sushi for the day so that he could, he can order like the four different rolls that he wants and we can share them. Um, so it would probably be a sushi roll. I just don't know which one that I would want. <laughs> Okay, well, that's cool. Though. That's cool. Do you, do you know, it, that is something I've never even tried. I've never had sushi in my life ever. What? <laughs> no, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> I need I mean, to expand. You can, I, so, you know, like the, the California roll is like the thing that everybody tries first because it's, it's the easiest thing to like. Um, but if you're hesitant about raw fish, not that the California roll is not. Um, but if you're hesitant about raw fish, go with like a tempura shrimp roll. Um, usually with like, I don't know, do you like mango? I do like mango. Yep. Okay. So there's like, there's usually on the menu, some really good tempura shrimp roll with mango um, mixed in with it. That's always a good one to go with because okay. it's cooked. And, and then there's a little bit of sweet and a little bit of um, salty from the, the tempura and everything like that. And it's usually a pretty good um mix of flavors that sounds good i will go for that i should I, i'm gonna go for that <laughs> i do need to expand my like culinary stuff yeah yeah i need yeah to yeah culinary stuff is i need to expand my vocabulary that is just so bad it's just not honestly so bad anyway that's that's a great tip as well so i'm gonna do that um so fun okay very last question um okay. let's let's go with because I, I think people would be really interested to hear from you what would be your top tips or top tip you know it's up to you just to help someone become better at the documentary side of family photography yeah what would be your 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 main bit of advice i mean it's really just picking up the camera and shooting more um, like that was, that's what I realized, you know, I, I was missing, like, you can't just pick it up for moments that you think are going to be good. Like you can't just pick it up cause you're going somewhere and it would make sense to pick up the camera now, you know, challenge yourself to pick it up when there really isn't anything to shoot. Um, there, there are a lot of great little, um, like 
photography practices that you can do, like where you challenge yourself, okay, you take 10 steps. And with every step, you have to take one more photo from your vantage point, right? You can't Mm -hmm. move any further, but it's got to be something different. Or you pick an object in the room and you have to take it from 10 different angles um, and, and, and tell a different story every single time that you change the angle, you know? Um, Yeah. The, the pretending that you only have a roll of 36 in your camera. So you're really limited as to what you can't, you can shoot. So you can't Mm -hmm. just like shoot through a moment, right? You have to be more thoughtful about Uh, when you're pressing the shutter. So like uh, that, I would say is probably if you wanted to become a better photographer in general, um, not just documentary, but um, you have to be prepared. The one thing for documentary, and it's the same thing for shooting a candid moment at a wedding, right? You have to be prepared for that kiss. Like you can't, you can't mess that one up, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be ready for the moment to unfold and you have to be in the right position and you have to know what it is that you're going to say. I mean, at least with weddings, you know kind of what the moment's going to be. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when I first started shooting, uh, South Asian weddings, and I wasn't really aware of every single tradition that might take place in the four hour ceremony. Like I wasn't, I had, I had to kind of anticipate where everybody was and what was going to happen in front of me, even if I didn't really know. And so that was kind of, you just have to have everything else ready (laughs) in your head because you don't necessarily know what's coming next. Um, Mm. just to be, just to be, prepared and and not have to think about all those other things when it comes time for the moment to to happen so So true yeah (laughs) and that that, that's great really really good that makes total sense as well yeah about especially that picking up the camera when you know not for just special occasions or you think it should should be a time where you pick up the camera that makes total sense i i'm going to say i need to do that more but i definitely do need to do that more (laughs) Yeah. oh stefana honestly thank you so much for your time there just it was just so interesting talking to you that was just really great loved it oh, thank you thank you for i, I was shocked that you wanted to interview me oh no you. of course it's an honor to, for me to have you on here so thank you i absolutely loved it it was really really fab um and, and i was listening now whilst i don't know walking or doing the pots or whatever do head to this reportage and i'll include a link through to stefana's site and that reportage family award and yeah i mean I, I really hope that i get to meet you one day i know i need to visit somewhere else in america other than vegas yes. so i'd love to come to, to, to yeah. Florida. when you finally take that first disney trip with your family you let me yes. know yeah <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. That'd be so cool. That would be really cool. That'd be really cool. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a long way for you to come, but we do have a Christmas party in London, but I think it's quite a long way for you to come probably for a party. Probably. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but we do. So we're playing my, my dad and, and my stepmother have a house in Greece. Um, oh, and wow. so That's we crazy. usually travel there in the summer and we didn't go this year, but we plan on going next year and maybe we'll come through London this time. <laughs> oh, I'd love to meet you. That'd be very cool. Where in Greece yeah. is the house? Um, they're in Rhodes. So oh. uh, the island of Rhodes um, in Haraki Bay. Uh, it's really nice. Nice. Do you speak Greek or anything? I don't. Um, so I, this is, there, there are like two different types of immigrant families, right? There's the one that like wants to hold on to every tradition and make sure that the kids speak both languages and things like that. And then there's the ones that like wanted 
their families to completely assimilate assimilate to American culture. And my great grandfather and my grandfather were were those types of people that oh, okay. just so wanted to to not have um, yeah. So they didn't they didn't push for us to learn Greek. And my my mom is actually um, she's a wasp. Um, so she's German and English and Swedish. And so, okay. yeah, there, there wasn't that stressor of, um, of, of learning the Greek language. So unfortunately I'm, I'm upset, but like, maybe if I go there enough now, yeah, I'm sure it, you would. It up. It up, <laughs> oh, that's so yeah. great to have. I love Greece. So I just love it. I, I love the Greek food as well. I just love mm-hmm. it. So good. <laughs> so good. But anyway, we could, go on. <laughs> we could talk yeah. for another like, hour. It's so cool. <laughs> Oh, Sapana, honestly, thank you so much for your time. That was awesome. That was so good. Thank you, Alan. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Have a good year ahead. Oh, thank you. You too. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 83rd episode of the This Is Reportage podcast. Love talking to Stefana. Hope you enjoyed listening. Head to thisreportage.com or thisreportagefamily.com for a link to her website and to see the specific Reportage Family Award that she spoke about on the episode too. As I mentioned in the intro, it's our first birthday of this Reportage Family and we're celebrating by giving away five free memberships. It's super easy to enter, just see our latest blog post or Insta to see how. We have lots more episodes of the podcast available where we speak to family and wedding photographers from all over the world. Delve into our back catalogue to hear from the likes of Tyler Workin, Rowena Meadows, Lisa Hu Chen, Valter Antunas, Alison Bounce, Leonard Walpott, Andrew Billington, Anna Rowland, Fabio Marula, and many more too. If you're not yet a member of this reportage or this reportage family, check out all the benefits of joining us, including an unlimited number of images on your profile, 60 individual award and 18 story award entries per year, invites to our physical meetups and parties, exclusive discounts, hours of educational videos featuring tips and advice from some of the world's best photographers, and much more too. Submissions are open now for our next award collections. The deadline is the same for both our wedding site and our family site. Submit by 2359 BST on 24th of July 2021. No poses, nothing staged. This is Reportage. And this is bye for now.